If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to Philippians, the fourth chapter, a well-known passage, verse 8. I'll get to it in just a little bit. That's going to be my main focus this morning. Philippians 4, verse 8. Any of you remember the movie that came out about 10 or 11 years ago called The Bucket List? It was a story about two older men who were dying of cancer and they were stuck in a cancer ward and they decided they would escape from the cancer ward and they would go fulfill some lifelong dreams and wishes they had and they checked off things on their bucket list and, and I've given a definition of where we get that bucket list from. To kick the bucket means to die. So, uh, and that's, there's probably five or six origins at least in all of my etymology study of the word, where it comes from, and it would surprise you, uh, some of the etymology of that word. But this morning I want to talk to you about God's bucket list for you. In other words, God's bucket list for you and for me before we pass from this world. Now, some people think that God's will is hard to know. Does anybody in here believe God's will is hard to know? You don't have to raise your hand. You just ask the question yourself. I want to share with you God's will is not hard to know. God's will is sometimes hard to do. I will share that with you. If God had a bucket list for you and for me this morning, what would be on that list? Well, first of all, God wants everybody to be saved. Not all will be because he gives us a free will. But here, 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And when we repent, that's a, that's a word we don't use in our culture much and we don't admit it. It's to admit that you have sin in your life and you repent of it. You turn from that sin and turn to God. Simple. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1, 9. He also wants us to be filled with his spirit. Here from Ephesians 5th chapter, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what God's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to excess or debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. God also wants us to be set apart for service. The big word in, in Christian circles is sanctification. That's a, that's a two-bit word in my book. It's too big and people don't know. essentially means be set apart. God gives us a mission and a mission, a mission and a message to serve other people and love. And to be set apart is to be holy, to, to have a good mindset and to, to be clear in our understanding, be motivi uh, motivated by his love and grace. Hear what it says in 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16. But just as one who has called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy as I am holy. And then God also says it's our will that if we have to suffer, that we suffer for doing good and not for bad. Now, y'all know, I don't, I don't honestly believe God causes suffering, but God does allow suffering in our lives, and sometimes we cause our own suffering. I mean, you know, if I go up to the top of the steeple out here and I jump off, think that I can fly, it's not going to end well, is it? There's going to be a few, Brother Jerry, probably be a bag of bones, you know, broken ones, a lot of them. And sometimes 
our suffering that we go through, not always, sometimes people suffer from things they didn't cause or cause to happen in their life, they're innocent in their suffering. But if we do suffer, the scripture says, 1 Peter 3, 17, it is better if it's God's will that you suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And I could go on down the list on the front of the bulletin, I, I put do for others what you would like them to do for you. It's God's will that we go about doing good for others like we want done to us. Uh, now, some of you older adults know when the computers started, there was jargon among the computer programmers. Uh, who's heard this? Garbage in and garbage out. That's been about 15, 20 years ago. That was real popular. If you put garbage into the computer, guess what you're going to get out? Garbage. The same holds true with our minds and our hearts and our lives. If we put garbage into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives, guess what we're going to get back? Garbage. You know, and right now in our culture, we put a ton of stuff in our minds and think upon things and communicate things that are not healthy for us. It's so much a part of our culture uh, to put trash in our minds that the TV honestly doesn't have any way to do anything else, hardly. It's, it's mostly bad news. If you look at it, if you read the book of Proverbs, it says good news brings joy to the heart. Good news is like good medicine. Good news, it's got a, you need to study good news in the book of Proverbs. And it would amaze you how many good things happen because of good news. Conversely, bad news causes all kinds of things too. In other words, it's God's will that if we go about life doing for others, serving others, helping others in the same way we'd like to be helped, it's going to come back on us. Now, have you ever noticed in the news media, and I'm going to pick on them a little bit this week because we just went through one of the worst cases that I've ever seen in what happened in the Senate and the Congress. And I'm going to be candid with you. I'm not politically involved, but I want to tell you there needs to be a house cleaning in Congress for what they've subjected the American people and the world to. It is ridiculous to treat people the way they were treated on both sides of the issue. And every congressman that serves up there, whether they're in the House of Representatives or whether they're in the Senate, they would not want somebody to do to them what they did to their fellow human beings this last week. Now, you may not agree with that, but I'm telling you, that's the gospel truth. Nobody ought to be treated like those people were treated. So, that brings us to our wonderful text this morning. Eighth verse, fourth chapter. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, and whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever is true. A young preacher came to a church in a small town like Clifton, and he had a couple of brothers in his church that they were well known in the community. They were business people. They made lots of money. They were big givers to the church, but they were hypocrites. Their lives, a lot of the wealth they had acquired, they had, acqui they had acquired it by doing other people in. But they were always big givers to the church. And one of those brothers died, and, and the other brother came to the young pastor and said, I want you, when you preach my brother's funeral, to tell everybody he was a saint. Well, that young preacher, he did he didn't really want to do He said, I'll make a big gift to the building committee, the building grounds committee, if you will tell them my brother was a saint. So the time came for the brother's service. He got up and said, this man right here, he was a scallywag. He was 
ran around on his wife. He cheated people at work. He drank. He, did, he, he just had a laundry list of all the bad things he'd do. But compared to his brother, he was a saint. <laughs> In our culture, unfortunately, so many times we focus on the negative instead of the positive. We're so critical. I, I asked uh, Alice earlier in the early service if she's ever done a concert or ever played a piece and missed a note. If you've ever gone to a recital and you have a young person or a young adult playing a recital and they go through the whole recital and they miss one little note. And what do people focus on? The one missed note. They don't focus on the other two to three, four, five hundred notes that were played perfectly and in order and at the right you know, rhythm and everything. They focus on the one mistake. Same is true in sports. We've got the football team is, was it 5-0 and now? 5-0, and Griffin County. That's hard to believe, isn't it? 5-0. and But I want to tell you, I saw on Saturday a coach grab a player by his face mask, and I'm not going to name a school, and yank him over. There's no reason for that. Guys are going to make mistakes. He, he could have addressed him in a different way. Uh, the player said uh, he made a mistake, but you don't, you don't grab somebody by a face mask. First of all, it's dangerous. That's why they've got penalties, 15-yard penalties. And, and sometimes we forget that people are people, and they need to be treated with respect. And even when they don't deserve respect, they still need to be treated with a sense of fairness. So what is truth? Well, John 17, 17, Jesus says, Sanctify them by thy truth. In other words, set them apart by thy truth. Your word is truth. The message says it this way. Make them holy, consecrated with the truth. Your word is a consecrating truth. God's word is true, folks. It's either true or false. Either our faith is true or false. If I'm up here preaching and it's all false, we we are most miserable and should be most pitied in the world because we're preaching something that's not true but i'm telling you it's true i believe it to be true there's a lot of things about god i believe i believe if i died right now i'm going to be with him forever nothing can separate me from his love that's out of romans 8 35 through 39 i believe that jesus died on the cross not just for my sins but for the sins of the world and all who believe the scripture says for god so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that all who believe in him shall not do what they won't perish but they'll have eternal life So, there's eight virtues that Paul sets up here, and six of them are without conditional sentences in front of them or conditional words. But the word, whatever, is in front of six of these. Whatever is true, whatever is true this morning on your bucket list. Do you love your family? Is that true or is it false? Whatever is true. Has God blessed your life in some way? Is that true? Can you look back and remember when you asked the Lord Jesus into your heart? Is that true? Have you done that? Do you know for sure if you died right now, if your bucket list, if you kick the bucket, are you going to go be with the Lord? God wants you to be saved. Are you filled with his spirit? And I want to share with you, this is where a lot of us as Baptists, we fall down as Christians. We sometimes don't give credence to God's Holy Spirit working in our life. We just don't. And it says that God wants us to be filled with his spirit. We just got through singing some beautiful hymns and praise songs and, and worship so that we can 
speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It said, do not be wise, unwise, but be wise. Know what the Lord's will is for. And it's the Lord's will that we be filled with His Spirit. Whatever is just or right, the second one that he highlights here. You know, when you stop about truth, you think in terms of falsehood. What is true versus falsehood? And I, I mentioned before, the news media can slant, regardless whether they're right or left, they can slant the news to, to come out the way they want it to be. They can edit the words. They can leave out portions of a report to give it a, a picture, whether it's to the right or to the left or a partial story, a bite-sized, if you will, since we live in a bite-sized society. I just wish sometimes, and you've heard me say this before, that news reporters would take into consideration the questions they ask the people they're interviewing because some of the questions they ask and the way they're asked, there's no simple answer. Remember what is true versus what is false. What is just and what is right? I don't know about you, but there are a few people who are awarded the Medal of Honor, and they're awarded it justly. Uh, in the book, uh, Flags of Our Fathers, it's the story of Iwo Jima. Uh, 1,400 young men and boys landed on that island, and they were joined by 288 replacements, giving a total of 1,688 young men and middle-aged men on the island to take Iwo Jima in World War II. Of the 1,688 from those battalions in the 5th Division, the goal was to take Iwo Jima along with the uh, other islands there close by. 177, hear me, out of 1,688 survived. Out of the 177, 90 of them left the island wounded. Let me stop and give that some credence. The largest cemetery that we have during World War II is not on D-Day. It's not on Normandy. It, that's a large cemetery. It has 10,000 graves in it, and I've studied it. But those are allied forces and American forces combined, and those are people that were killed and brought there that died behind the lines. Airmen that, you know, parachuted into the wrong place. Other people that were brought there. But Iwo Jima, folks, has 6,800 American graves on that one island. We'll give that some thought. Medal of Honor was awarded to Corpsman George Wallen, a 20-year-old from Ogden, Utah. He was finally pulled off the field of battle after he had suffered three serious wounds. The first wound was from a hand grenade blast that blinded him in one eye. And he continued, if you don't know what a corpsman is, a corpsman somebody goes up and basically ministers to those who are wounded and tries to get them off the field of battle and retrieve the dead bodies. That's what a corpsman basically does. The second blast, he was wounded by a mortar blast that took out part of his shoulder and a hunk of his skin right here. And the third wound that he sustained, it, it splintered his right leg and blew off his right foot, and he gave himself a shot of morphine and continued to, to work to try to get people help and to get them off the battlefield. He crossed some 50 yards, saving the lives of several along the way. When he was asked why he stayed, this was his response, because I care for my fellow soldiers. I care for those that I serve with. The Medal of Honor was awarded to him. Now, what's ironic about the Medal of Honor? We have a committee that oversees 
medals of honor. You know why? Several years ago at one of these big veterans groups, deals where veterans come in from all over the United States, or kind of like a, a big, they have all kinds of collectibles and stuff and different war memorabilia. Here's these medal of honors for sale. Well, medal of honors are not for sale. It's not a competition. So now we have a committee that has to oversee and verify the Medal of Honor awardees so that truth will prevail over falsehood. Whatever you remember, remember that truth ultimately will win out, folks, in the end. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. God knows everything about us, and he still loves us, and that to me is a miracle. Jesus said in John's gospel like this, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. What is honorable? What is noble? It's a word that we don't use much. In our, in our culture here in Clifton, I often hear this. My son is better than your son. My daughter is better than your daughter. My, my children can do this or that, and your children, you know, they're... Time out, folks. We shouldn't be comparing each other's children. I've raised three children. I've got grandchildren now. Yeah, grandparents are real bad about bragging about their grandchildren. I'll be honest to own up to that. But wouldn't it be better if we said that our child is a gift from God and is a work in progress just like we are? Is anybody in here God finished with you? If he is, I can arrange an appointment with you over here at the funeral home and we can go on and get, get things worked out for you. Is, is he through? See, we're all works in progress. I've got Guy back here. He has a studio. He's an artist. Bruce Green has a studio. Martin Greeley has a studio. Tony Eubank has a studio. Mike Irvin has I could go down the list. We have lots of artists in this area. And artists, as far as I know, always have had works in progress. They start a painting and it's a work in progress. It hadn't been finished. They start a sculpture, and it's a work in progress. It hadn't been finished. Folks, we're all works in progress regardless of our age, whether we're a little child or senior adult. In the book, The Power to Love, there's a chapter entitled The Last Flight from Savonga. Gilbert Pelawak was an Eskimo native of the area on board a doomed plane that went out and burst into flames. And he took a piece of metal, a piece of sheet metal, and he retrieved 22 people off of the plane. 32 were on board, and he saved 22 of their lives. One injured man himself. Now, I don't know about y'all folks, but I think that's noble and honorable. A noble act, something to be commended, similar to the act of Foreman George Wallen. Noble, what it is to think about noble things, honorable things. A little African-American lady over in Alabama took in washing and ironing all of her life so that she could leave a small black Alabama college with scholarship funds that would help young African-American young adults receive an education. She never had an education. She worked all of her life taking in people's washing and ironing and putting back money so she could leave a legacy to help other young adults. Noble, a teacher donating kidney to a student in her class. Noble, a family who loses their teenage daughter in a tragic car wreck and donates her organs so that can save the lives of 11 other people. Noble, a person who gets up every morning and goes to work like Clyde Green did at my school where I grew up. Every morning, Clyde Green got up, went up, opened up the school, cleaned the halls, janitor, for 40 years. 
clean the bathroom walls. And y'all know kids do a lot of things on the bathroom walls. You know, cleaned up all the messes that were made. Sometimes kids go to school sick. And I want to tell you, if one of them's about to throw up, it's usually a chain reaction. You know, when, when my wife has somebody in her classroom and there's 25 or 30 other students in there, she says, take the trash can and go outside the door. I'll be there with you in just a minute. You know why? Because if that one student throws up, just like that, it's like a contagion. Just go. Maybe y'all have never seen that. I have seen it. I mean, it, it, it's kind of a perplexing thing. And nobody likes to clean up, do they? So think about a man who spent 40 years of his life mopping floors, fixing overflowing toilets, cleaning things off the bathroom walls, cleaning the classroom floors, desks, and tables. That's noble. Got very little of praise, very little applause, very little recognition. We had a lady that used to be in our church. Alice knows her. Her name was Charlene Mitchell. For 60 years, she played the piano every Sunday morning out here at the Mosheen Baptist Church from 1930 to 1990 until they had a young pastor that said, you've got to go. We don't need you anymore. She got her feelings hurt. She came and joined our church. Now, I don't know about y'all folks, but that's noble where somebody plays and does what God wants them to do for 50 to 60 years every Sunday without pay, being faithful to always be there. Think about such things. Whatever is right as opposed to wrong. You ever seen an umpire in a football game make a wrong call? Oh, you had not been to Clifton Games, have you? We've got a whole sideline of coaches down there. They, oh, come on. Come on, ump. You can do better. My grandmother can see better than that. And you can hear it out there every Friday night. Come on, ump. He was holding. He hit my son. No, ump, you didn't see it. I mean, I've seen coaches walk out on the field. I saw it yesterday in several games on, on TV. People make bad calls. You're going to have a bad call occasionally, mate. It's a sport deal. Not everybody's perfect. Right will prevail, though, folks. Someday, right will prevail. Whatever is pure. Little children love in the beginning is pure. They simply want to be loved and express love, and they... They learn to do that until they hit rejection or anger or competition or until they don't get their way. And mama or daddy or grandma or grandpa has to get on to them. And they have to have a come to meet Jesus moment as it's called. You know, years ago I was doing a wedding down at First United Methodist Church in Woodway. It was a great wedding, beautiful wedding. My high school principal's daughter was getting married. He asked me to do the wedding. And so I was there, and the little, you know, everybody came and processed in, and the little ring bearer, he came down. He was coming in right ahead of the flower girl and the bride, and he sat down on the bottom step. It was one of those graduated deals where everybody's coming up. The bride tried to stop and get him to come up. He sat there on the bottom step like this with the ring tucked under his pillow on the, on the ring. Well, his mother, she was sitting on the second row. She was the, the groom's father, I mean the groom's brother, and she gets up to go get him, and guess what he does? He jumps up, and he runs up behind the organ and up in behind. And, and so, and the father gets up, and he goes around this side, and so you've got this going on there. You know, we just had to stop the wedding. We just turned around and just watched. And finally, the father caught him. 
and he put him on his shoulder. He didn't hit him or anything. He walked all the way back down the aisle, right where the bride and the groom, groom had come in from side, but right where the bride and all her attendants. And when you went through that end door down there, you heard this. <laughs> and there was a lot of hollering going on. There was hollering going on all the way down the aisle. See, sometimes things have to be corrected. Whatever is pure is our gratitude to God pure. Whatever is lovely, there are lovely things in our world, folks, and sometimes we just don't see them. We focus on the negative. We don't focus on the lovely. For those caught in this trap of negativism and critical spirit, the evil and the awful, the terrible that the world is, we need to have a come to meet Jesus, God's bucket list in our own life so that we can see the glory of God that's all around us. Folks, this is a beautiful, beautiful day today. I have to be honest with you, I'd like to go to State Fair, Texas today. Hadn't been in a long time, and that's something I used to do as a child. This would be a beautiful day to be at the State Fair, Texas. It would be a beautiful day to be out to Lake Christian. I could probably go out to the golf course this morning and find a lot of my members out there. <laughs> I could even have a devotional out there and feel good about going to the golf course on Sunday. You know? Why is it that we always focus on the failure and the wrong and not realize that all of us have failed and that all of us have grace that we need in God's forgiving love? Lovely, can you see the small victories in life? Can you see what's admirable? The sixth thing. I've shared this before, but on May the 6th, 2015 at the state track meet, a girl by the name of Charlotte Brown from Emory Reigns High School finally got a medal in the pole vault. She was so excited she got third place in the pole vault. Third place in state in the pole vault from a little school called Emory Reigns School. What made that so remarkable, and there was all kinds of applause, is that girl was blind. She pole vaults for Purdue University today. Now, I don't know about y'all. I tried pole vaulting once. That was enough for me. I decided I didn't want to die at an early age and running down a deal where you're running like this and trying to keep a pole still and try to stab it in the ground and go over. It's not, it's not, I'm not cut out for that. I did the high jumps a lot easier, a softer place to land, not as far up above the ground. And I didn't ever get very far over the bar either. So, But this girl's blind and she runs down and she puts a pole in the ground and she goes over and, and wins third place at the state track meet and now vaults for Purdue University. I don't know about y'all, but I think that's admirable. Or maybe you've heard the story of Chad, Dale Galloway's book, Rebuild Your Life. Chad was a little boy who was shy and quiet and sometimes made fun of at school. When he came home walking from school every day, the other children would be walking in front of him, carrying on and laughing and having fun, and Chad would always be behind him with his head down walking. And it broke his mother's heart to see that he was left out all the time. As January came, late January, early February, he approached his mother and said, I want to make valentines for all of my classmates. Well, she tried to discourage him. She knew that he wasn't going to get very many valentines. She didn't want to see his heart broke. And he said, Mom, I want to do this. Get me the paper and the crayons and the glue and the glitter, and I want to make valentines for everybody in my class. And so for the next several weeks, every night, Chad would make out valentines, put the classmate's name on the valentine, fold it, fix it, put it in an envelope so he could take to school. Finally, that day came when his valentine's day, and he took all of his bundle of valentines to school. 
Everything was going well. He delivered them all. And that afternoon, when he, the mother looked out the door, she saw the children coming down the street, and there Chad was walking behind them. Now, she expected he'd be heartbroken, and so she made warm cookies and milk. That, that helps a lot of heartbreak, doesn't it, warm cookies and milk? And everything was going pretty normal until he turned to come up the, the sidewalk, and he ran into the house. He ran into the house and marched right by his mother. She, she said to him, I've got warm cookies and milk for you. His face was aglow, and all he could say was, no, not one. Not one. Not a one. And her thought was he had not gotten any valentines. But the little boy's thought was, and then he added, I didn't forget a one. I got every classmate named to that a valentine for all of them. He didn't miss a one. See, sometimes it takes a different perspective to see something that's admirable. If there's anything excellent or praiseworthy, conditional sentence, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy think about such things the hug of a loved one the smile of a little child someone having a hard time and you give them a word of encouragement there's a threefold test i usually give about passing on information is it true number one is it kind number two is it necessary number three and terry spicer reminded me this morning said brother jerry you said is it a word of encouragement number four we could eliminate a lot of our communication if at times we did what was necessary to be encouragers and to be kind and to share only news that's necessary to do. A second chance, a third chance, a fourth chance. Finally, change takes place. God's not giving up on us, whatever it is, folks. And we need to celebrate that and we need to know that. God's bucket list, he wants us in fellowship with him every day to celebrate and enjoy the gift of life that he gives us. What's God's bucket list for you today? If you filled out a bucket list, who is it you need to go see? What is it you need to do? Who is it you need to pray for, to communicate with, to come to share the love of Christ with? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your grace always and your mercy and your tender love and care. We pray that you'd help each one of us, Father, to know your presence. And help us to fulfill your bucket list for us this day. To be kind and gracious and to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. To, to serve others in ways that's beneficial. And to say things that are encouraging and helpful always. And Father, if there's someone here this morning that doesn't know you, may your spirit encourage them this day to make public their faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn of invitation is hymn number 287. I'll be here at the front to receive you. If there's a decision you'd like to make, would you come? Hymn number 287.